Welcome to Cinema Bushido. This episode, we are talking about the 1991 Craig R. Baxley-directed Stone Cold, starring Brian Bosworth, also known as The Boss. Uh, with me, as always, is the frosting on my red velvet cake, Mr. Lee Van Cleef. How's it going, Lee? Hey, buddy. Every day's a holiday. How you doing today? Excellent. Uh, also with me, uh, as mostly, as I like to say, is the glorious and beautiful Mr. Stephen Chow. How are you, Stephen? I'm doing well. Thank you for that intro. Yeah, of course. Uh, this episode, we have a special guest with us, writer-director Mark Blackman. How are you doing, Mark? Good, good. Excited to be talking about this. Well, yeah, you brought this movie to the table. Um, I know I had seen it um, back when it came out, um, but I'd never you know, uh, revisited it. And this is a new one for Stephen and Lee. And I, I got a few texts, so I, that's why I giggled. But I'm, I'm very interested to hear their actual takes on it. But I want to hear what, what you think of it. Like, uh, you know, give us the goods. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, it's sort of, the first time I saw this, I was about 10 years old, and we, in the UK, we didn't have any clue who Brian the Boz Bosworth was. We never kind of got the whole, um, you know, the NFL super persona that he was. Uh, so it was kind of a bit of a, a lucky dip video uh, selection thing that I saw when I was about 10 years old, and just absolutely, I just remember me and my father watching it, absolutely floored me. And even at that age, I was like, it's every cliche done better than you know any of the, the things it's referencing originally and it's just got such a absolute energy and insanity to it that um over the you know the next 25 years um I've just absolutely been singing its praises to anyone who will listen and pretty much converting I'd say 99% of people I mean a good friend of mine came over um who's an absolute point break fanatic and he sort of considers it the best action film ever made and I just you know flat out mm. said bollocks Stone Cold's the best action film ever made. And he's like, the fuck is Stone Cold? And um, and then, so I put it on, and by the end of the movie, he just turned around and was like, you bastard. He was like, and that was it. He, he couldn't he couldn't sing Point Break as the, uh, the best action film ever made. He sort of he came over to the, I don't know if I'd call it the dark side or the light side, but definitely the boss side. I, it's just a perfect film, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's telling that uh, the director, he'd done some other action flicks, but he's a stuntman. And this movie is just like a stunt after stunt after stunt um so lee let us give us give us the goods what do you think oh at first i thought this movie gave me cancer um but i i did i did watch it and i sat through it and then you know my girl and i were watching it again the second time the second go i finished it and we were there were some laugh out loud moments and i thought about how it's kind of like before the rock and howie long there was the boss, you know, mm-hmm. uh, great folk, great inside linebacker. And there's some parts that are just so funny and so hilarious. And then the, like things are just, I, I just, the only thing that was missing from all the things combusting was like spontaneous combustion. Like some, <laughs> some biker just needed to like just turn into a pile of ashes and that would have finished it. And then there was always the tits and ass, but this movie was like, I don't know. I, I, I texted, that the world's greatest drugs went into making this movie. And if you it like and you can watch it. You can sit there and watch it and you will laugh your ass off. Um, I have so many favorite scenes that are so funny. And I don't think they were intended to be, but that's part of the it's so good, it's bad, it's so bad, it's good kind of thing. But uh overall I was a, was a, was a bit tough the first go, but it kind of warms up on you a little bit. All right. Uh Steven yeah, I go along with Lee. I think this is one of those movies that's so bad it's good. Um, 
it's the most 80s movie I think I've ever seen in my life, um, <laughs> which is strange because it was made in 1991. But, uh, I mean, the hair is unbelievable. Uh, it, you know, the, the comparison with Point Blank is, uh, Point Break is quite <laughs> reasonable, um, but it's like Point Break with a lot of peroxide. Uh, it was, it, it just totally blew my mind. It did make me laugh out loud um, pretty much from the start, but it also made me groan out loud quite a bit as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, d- I didn't know who really who Brian Bosworth uh, was. I, I made the same comparison with The Rock um, that Lee made. Um, he's an interesting actor. He's, if you can call him an actor, he's got this kind of, you know, these dead eyes um, and this kind of, you know, bovine expression on his face while he's speaking these sort of ridiculous kiss-off lines. Um, but yeah, it definitely did provide me a, an hour and a half of uh, extremely guilty pleasure. Yeah, he's he's so steroided out, uh, so he's so big, but he also, like, he doesn't have, like, the proper stature. Like, somehow The Rock, it, it's, like, about his posture and everything. He always looks like he's kind of commanding a room. And there are times where I'm just like, man, you know, the boss looked so cheesy and so sort of... Uh, I, I guess a little effeminate. Um, I was just like, they're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. And then, of course, you know, he manages to to boss it back together. <laughs> he he wore that banana hammock like a boss in the beginning, man. That and something else. That scene is it is probably the one of the worst reveals ever as well. It's kind of like and cut to that, and you just everyone groans at that moment. But you know, to be. To be fair, on the Rock comparison, I just wanted to say it's not really fair to compare the boss to the Rock because Boss was an inside linebacker, so he's only he's only like what six two, and that's that's decent size for an inside guy. Mm-hmm. And then the Rock, his position, he's playing against guys who are like six five, six six, so he's just going to be a bigger dude because he's a defensive end. The Rock played football. The Rock was a was going to be a first round draft pick until he got hurt. Oh, that's when he got into wrestling. Yeah, he was a Miami Hurricane. Oh, shit, I didn't know that. That's hilarious. Um, well, so I, for me, I'd give you my take. Uh, I had seen this a lo- years and years ago. I didn't really remember much. I remembered explosions and the motorcycle and the cheesy. Like, I loved how it had um, his his hair on, like, the skull on the gas tank of the motorcycle. Those are the little things I remembered. So I was excited to get back into this. So I started out, and I'm like, I really didn't remember what was going to happen. So the first grocery store scene... Um, it was playing out just like Death Wish. So there's all the maniacal laughing and that black dude's just machine gunning the hell out of an end cap for some reason. And I'm just like, okay, here we go. And then the boss comes in and I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe I'm confusing this with Cobra because there was a similar scene or maybe it was a Dirty Harry. There's one of them where there was a grocery store and the bad guys were up front and he gets in and he eventually kills them all. But it, this turned into like Home Alone. <laughs> he just did stupid shit to people. <laughs> Threw a can at one of them and yeah. put some oil on the ground so the guy would like lose his footing. Like nobody got hurt. So then I was really worried. I'm like, oh shit, is this like the A-team where there's going to be no body count? Like everybody's going to live, even the bad guys? And then of course we switch over to the next scene as the motorbikers shooting cans off each other's heads. Still nobody's getting hurt. And I'm like, what the... Fuck, Mark. <laughs> and then finally, the blood started to flow. And uh... but, you, but then you have the, the, the best sort of villain introductions ever. You, you've got them sort of machine gunning the cans off of each other's heads. You know, absolute ferocious sort of sound design and everything exploding. And then for no reason whatsoever, you have a priest christening a baby who then gets double-barrel shotgunned 
out of a window by one of the bikers with all the bikers in the background of the window that he flies through and it's never explained that's just they're bad guys how do we show that they gun down a priest for no reason whatsoever all right well next step we're going to go through is uh, favorite scenes so start uh with mark uh you get to choose first in case one of us has already stolen your favorite scene and you wouldn't get to talk about the the best one so have at it um probably for me it's going to be you got boz in the helicopter he's just kicked a guy out with semtex on him he he blows up midair he then uh you got the wonderful line of angels don't die and then he jumps out of a helicopter straight through a glass ceiling, lands face-first into a wall, and immediately pushes a gunman through another plate glass window without even a scratch. And it's from that point on that the movie just... It goes into overdrive. You've just got machine gunning everywhere. You've got the military turning up. Um, But yeah, I love that scene too. Uh, Through the glass, somehow it's just fine. Rolls over, kicks the dude. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, that that makes sense. Uh, Stephen, it is uh, your turn. Yeah, you've already sort of alluded to this scene, really, but it's the uh, opening where those guys are sort of shooting up the uh, convenience store. And uh, it's it's so kind of intense. You know, there's the guy with the ponytail. He's kind of <laughs> his eyes are popping out of his head. He's, you know, gritting his teeth. And it, he, he's got the sort of cheesiest lines of dialogue you can possibly imagine. Uh, he grabs this poor girl who has a brace and starts saying, <laughs> you know, uh, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to start shooting up Miss Tinsel Teeth or something equally ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and, uh, and then you see the boss kind of uh, striding down the aisle. In fact, he's, he's, he's pushing a, uh, a shopping cart. And then Char- a guy called, I think it's Charlie, uh, goes after him. And uh, the boss is eating a cookie. And he, again, really cheesy sort of line. He's, as the shotgun's pressed to his cheek, he says, I'm going to pay for it. And then knocks the shotgun away and punches the guy out or something like that. And then someone else goes after him and uh, the boss throws the uh, the lethal, what is it, can of pea soup or something <laughs> like that. And yeah. it, you know, the absolutely deadly can of soup. And it, it lands on the ground and the guy turns and shoots and then runs and uh, slips on it. And uh, it's the most amazing thing. And it really made me laugh out loud. And I thought, oh, this is going to be tremendous fun at this point because the guy does a kind of reverse Superman and <laughs> flies yeah. through the air at incredible velocity into, again, another giant sort of triangle of cans. And, uh, yeah, at that point, I was having a great time. And then his uh, supervisor comes along and does the sort of uh, traditional thing of saying, you know, how are you going to explain this? You know, you're... you're uh, you're on suspension for three days, for three days more. How are you going to explain this? And he just says, you've got to clean up on aisle four. <laughs> totally. And just walks out. And then that, you know, ridiculous uh, power, rock. power rock comes on. And, yeah, I kind of fist pumped the air at that point and thought I was going to have a great time. <laughs> so that was, yeah, I thought the opening scene really sold me on the movie. That, that really, really entertained me. Yeah, you could tell um, that, that I had mentioned earlier that this uh, director... Um, uh, Craig R. Baxley, he did he'd done stunts up to that point. His last movie was Predator as a stunt coordinator, nineteen eighty seven. So mm-hmm. after that, he got into directing it, and you can see he like every scene, he's like, "All right, what kind of stunts can we put in here? Like, <laughs> this yeah. is not going to be a stunt free movie. We're going to have a lot of stunts." He was probably you know employing all of his best buddies that he's known over time. Mm-hmm. It's like we need a lot of stuntmen. We need <laughs> anyway. 
Very nice. But the pea soup or the the kind of the pea soup slip, uh, that's you know that's an overcooked stunt. I mean, he's flying through the air. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. All right, Oli, you're up. Sorry, buddy. So this was actually, I thought, a pretty clever how they did this. They, uh, they've. It's after we've seen the boss in his banana hammock, and the you see the lizard, and it's in some fabric or something, and you can't quite see it. And his partner is is trying to. He's like, "Do you have a dog?" And then they kind of cut to a different scene, and there's still movement in fabric. And then they cut back, and they cut back two more times in between the two scenes, and then you think he's going to reveal the lizard, and instead it's. The finest thing in this whole movie, the yeah, prettiest yeah. little actress, naked, for us to enjoy for just a split second, and you know, it was beautiful. That was that was magical. It was, and I I love the uh, the sort of undercover cop's reaction to her presence. Yeah, he's just absolutely yeah. astonished that this beautiful yeah. girl's there and doesn't know what to do. Yeah, I will, he leave I will the also. Room? He yeah, he kind of backs up, and then the boss says, "You know, haven't you ever seen one of those?" And he says. Never, never one that's that well put together or yeah, something like that. that. I mean, not that well. Mm. Why, why would he leave the room? They're partners. Oh, totally. It's like, is, is it, is it w- time for our partner thing? Yeah. I also want to say the sight of the bars in a thong striding across the room is something that I'm not going to recover from for I a long you, time. I told you, it made me a little uncomfortable. And I don't like I don't like that it made me uncomfortable. I want to be a little more sexually liberated. But there's something about watching his ass shuffling across into the kitchen. I'm like, no, come on. Why? I, I, I think it's, an, I think it's a, an early kind of uh, sexual equality thing. You know, we've got to see the boss <laughs> in a thong striding into the kitchen because i thought we were just going to get a little fl- you know just a little hint but yeah. you, know, yeah. you, know, you know you're going to see that his shirt's not on and you'll see oh he's very strong he's a very strong man but we don't just see that we see the the whole thong and then we see his meaty ass you know moving into the kitchen and then it's like oh dear and it's like the filmmakers are saying you've got to look at this first and then <laughs> Then we'll show you this other thing, but you've got to see this because we're all about, you know, equal rights here. If you want to look at the naked girl, you've got to see the boss in a thong. It's like I said, the film's ahead of its time, incredibly. Way ahead of its time. Made me think of A Clockwork Orange. There's that scene after the sex fest uh, that Alex has. The next morning, he's in his uh, whitey, tidy whiteies, and he's standing there pissing and scratching his ass. I mean, I was really young when I saw that, and I think it warped me. And now, anytime I see a man's ass, I... I just feel a little feel a little sick. How often do you see a man's ass? Yeah, <laughs> well, just just to you know, yesterday watching this or day before, I was like, "There's the man's ass." <laughs> okay, here's my favorite scene, and you, you guys chose some really great ones. Um, I think you guys will appreciate this just for the reasoning behind it. Um, we had a motorcycle chase, and it's uh, John Stone against Ice. So Ice has figured out that John Stone's a cop, and now. Uh, the boss has to stop Ice, uh, William Forsyth. So it's a really cheesy chase scene, but the best thing happens. Ice just goes directly, like, front-end, head-to-head collision with a car. Now, we just saw that same sequence happen in Wheelman, and you know what really happens. It's sort of a thump, and the body flies, and there's probably death. No, it exploded. Everything exploded. It was, like, the biggest explosion. (laughs) And then he's laying on the ground, and he's just, like, completely burn victim, head-to-toe, and he just looks up at it and, uh, died. I was like, yes! I, I, first of all, I hated him. That gap in his tooth and everything. And I was just like, fuck you, Ice. 
So I felt so good that he was finally out of the picture. And then, yeah, the but next he... scene after that is just the greatest. They burn him. <laughs> they burn his body <laughs> like they're a bunch of fucking Romans. Or, or I don't know who did that. Probably Romans or the Norse. Norse. Ben. Like, yeah, thanks. Okay. I want to say I want to respond to a few things. I, I I love the fact that they've got names like stone and ice and chain. It's the <laughs> the whole movie. It's just so close to self parody. Uh, it's it's hilarious. And that the the scene where the guy uh, explodes on his bicycle. It's the fact that nobody cared about the people in the car that hit him. <laughs> what happened to yeah. them? I was like, aren't they going to get out and go? Oh my god! But no, they don't. Like, no one, no one cares. Um, when they when they set his body on fire, I was thinking to myself, how, because obviously the police arrived after he was killed, because you hear the sirens wailing. How, how did they get hold of his body? Because it would have been taken away and put in a morgue. So there's a, it's like there's a scene missing in the movie where it's almost like a caper scene where they they steal his body back and <laughs> put it on the mo- motorbike. I was thinking about that. How did they get it? Well, this movie was originally NC-17 because it had a lot more violence and I guess a lot more nudity. And they, there's never been the the uncut version has never seen light of day, but they cut a bunch of shit out of it so they could get to a rated R. Mm. They they switched directors as well. They shot uh-huh. like a a whole extra sort of half hour beginning where John Stone's got like a family and they all get killed and then he sort of becomes this sort of badass cop and then they didn't like the direction it was heading in so they sacked the director and then sort of rewrote and reshot everything that's awesome they threw the stuntman in do it we want explosions you know it's like early day um oh what's gotta be crunchier less plot more action you know and they certainly went down that road with it but um it's it's sort of interesting because that that footage has never sort of turned up or, or really been sort of discussed much beyond that i'm sort of always trying to sort of track down what i can on that that'd be awesome to see like the original vision the three-hour cut. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, by the way, I think what the can he threw—I was just looking at my notes. The can he threw was actually spinach, which had like the spinach. Popeye element to it, which just cracked me up too. Oh dear! Oh my god! Yeah. Okay, uh, so do we want to go around again? Uh, fi- favorite scenes? Do do you go, does everybody have a I, I one that they're willing to talk about? Hmm. Well, I do. Let's do it. All right. Mark, you start us. Um, I mean, it's it's not so much a scene as such, but it's just an example of, I mean, the film is, like I said, it's every cliche you've sort of seen done before, but it it has some moments, like the dialogue in it. So Lance Hendrickson improvised pretty much every line of dialogue in the film. They gave him sort of free reign to just say whatever the fuck he wanted. And um, it's the bit where he's, John Stone's like, you know, what's in it for me? Why should I join your, your gang? And Lance Henningson gets gut, who's the kind of sort of whipping boy of the crew, and bends him over the desk and with this, you know, with his gun sort of m- m- points out what the, uh, what do you call it, the badge, the emblem, the, the sort of biker gang <laughs> logo, which is a swastika with an SS logo over the top. And he, uh, you know, and he says, you know, these are our colours, and if these colours hit the floor even in a fight, I, I swear to God I will skin you alive with a knife dipped in shit. And... <laughs> The dialogue throughout the whole film is so much better than a film like this ever deserves to be. But it's got such... But it, that's what just elevates it for me. And I think that's one of the moments that whenever that comes up, I get so excited about that line of dialogue. And just Henriksen in general, he just sort of purrs his way through the film like this evil biker cat man. Um, so I've, I've got to say, it's, it's probably that line of dialogue. I think that might be 
you know, aside from Boz jumping through the window and the ceiling, I think that's got the the moment that just absolutely crushes it for yeah. me. Yeah, that's terrific. And yeah, you said it. Lance really did a great job in this. He's one of those timeless people. Like, I I don't know what he did. He ever look young? Did he come out of the womb with that grizzled face? <laughs> oh no! If you ever watch Dog Day Afternoon, he's in he's in the end of that, and he's in um, Network as well. But the young Henriksen, and it doesn't look right. He looks like a CGI <laughs> DA. Yeah, like what they did in Tron when they uh, they brought back Jeff Bridges young. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's you sort of watch it going. Is that Lars Henriksen or his son? Nice. My favorite part about Lance Henriksen yeah. is, and I couldn't stop noticing this, was that he was wearing this mesh shirt, and I was like, <laughs> "Is that the same shirt from Lord of the Rings? Is it like, is it made of Mithril? You know, did he borrow that from Frodo?" I just couldn't stop cracking up. I just, like, every time he was on screen, I so just could not mortal. He's got the, yeah. the super armor on. <laughs> he's in pretty good shape in this movie as well. That was the other thing that sort of surprised me. I think he must have uh, hit the he gym for this. Yeah. He, he, yeah, he looked he looked in pretty good shape. But I'd say the one thing about Lance Henriksen in this movie is he's, I mean, it, obviously it's a ridiculous movie, but he's got this great evil laugh. Yeah. You know, he, he, he really sells the part with that just demonic uh, chuckle. As that a side he's, thing, he's constantly bringing out every time the ice character talked to him and like spoke sense <laughs> chains was not willing to listen i just think about that look on his face he looks seems so serious he's like no dude this is a classic setup and he's just like go do what i told you to do <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and then he goes <laughs> okay fucker <laughs> all right well you're up steven give me your your second favorite scene um, I, I'm worried that I'm going to have stolen this one from from Lee, but I'm I'm just going to say it. It's it's the bit where, and it's the most gratuitous thing in the movie, <laughs> without shadow of a doubt. There's a bit where a girl is playing pool, and oh. she takes the pool shot, and then her blouse just bursts open <laughs> as she takes the pool shot, and it's just the most absurd thing I've ever seen. Um, and again, it's 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 very funny, and and you just need to watch that scene, and you know what this movie's about because, what, what when that's happened, the guy that I think is playing pool with her throws a knife across the room, and it sticks right into the middle of a picture of a man's ass. Now I don't know if that was Brian Bosworth's ass, but it was a picture of a man's ass. Um, that was weird. Yeah, yeah. very weird. <laughs> All right, Stephen, you're a son of a bitch. Yeah. Oh, um, sorry. I uh, my my other backup scene here. Thanks a lot. Uh, is uh, the guy who's driving the truck. You know, at first he's getting through the checkpoint, and they're like, "Sorry, sir, we're gonna have to inspect your load." And I just died. And then he's like getting into the combat. He's like running away from the cops. And there's a window, and there's a uh, the girl. She's like reporting that there's an attack going on on the phone. And in the background, you see this stuntman for no good reason. With his, uh, with his, I think he had a bullpup shotgun in his hands, and he like just jumps through the window, gun first, <laughs> and rolls out. And I, I was like, that, that is, yeah. uh, I, I, I would have shot the window. I maybe would have tapped on the window and asked you to let me in, but to jump through it like that, that was just beautiful. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll finish this off. Uh, full circle around, and you uh, texted me on this one, Lee, which I just thought was hilarious. It's the first time uh, Boz is getting like into being the spy or whatever. He's out with the, the chick, which earlier, you know, he totally rejected. And he rejected her in such a classic way. It was the, well, 
I'm not the kind of man who would like give away a woman or as beautiful as you or whatever. So he's like aiming it up. But it's when he he attacked the car. He just jumped on the hood. <laughs> and he's it was like the guy's like even just about to shoot him through the glass, which is exactly what you do. But yeah, that was a classic scene. It was so funny to see him hanging on there. Uh I was really surprised that after all that the guys just kind of popped out and they were all okay and you know they didn't shoot him. I would have shot him. But yeah, it was it was a really funny scene. The best part about that is um, if you watch the cut right before he charges the car, that's like the perfect form of a linebacker who's about to tackle somebody, right? It looks just like a football tackle. Like he lines up for it, and then you're like, what the fuck? He just tackled the car that's coming at him? (laughs) It's perfect. That's awesome. All right, well, so we're going to get to our final thoughts before we get to our top six challenge. So, Mark, you get to start us out. Just This is just kind of a – why do you suggest this to people? And, yeah, we know you love it, so – just uh, give us, give us your, give us your, sell us. I think it's the greatest film ever made. <laughs> I, um, you know, I love Taxi Driver, I love Mona Lisa, I love Kurosawa, but, you know, if, if for me, as Desert Island movies go, this is the one for me. I just, just um, and I've got no shame in it. As I've got older, I just find it so entertaining. And, and it's, it has no shame about how ridiculous it is. And because it, it's not trying to be so serious, it's everything about it is, just cranked up to 11 and I, I adore it for it. I just think it's got such a bonkers energy. I think there's about two moments in the film where I'm like, oh, I could skip through this. And I, I, you know, it's a film that's better than it deserves to be. And, and, you know, for me growing up, it's up there with sort of blind fury and, and uh, dark angel, uh, you know, it's in that sort of stable of movies that I think were, were better than the, the big budget, sort of tentpole movies that came out in that time, you know, is what is it like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves is the same year, mm-hmm. for example, you know, and you get this stuff coming out and it just slays everything. So, um, yeah, I, I shamelessly say it's one of my absolute favorite films of all time and just try and force it onto as many people as I can. Yeah. Sold. All right. Steven, you're up. I wouldn't say it was better than it deserves to be. I think it's more enjoyable than it deserves to be. Uh, I, I, I did find it very, very entertaining, um, and it was a guilty pleasure. Um, I, I, as I said earlier, I think it really borders right on the edge of self-parody because it's so over the top with the ridiculous hair, the relentless stunts, the endless kind of um, electric guitar rock music powering you through through the movie. I will say this, though, as over the top as it all is, I thought the ending was actually pretty good as an action sequence where he's going through that government building, kind of taking everyone out with his gun. It was kind of classic sort of, you know, late 80s, early 90s action where he's kind of shirtless covered in blood just kind of blasting people away and uh, the scene at the end where he beats the the life out of lance henriksen was actually really good action i thought it was really good hard-hitting action um you know you, you said it had sort of good lines i think it has sort of like good bad lines that you sort of you kind of wince and laugh at the same time and the, the one that i particularly enjoyed was that there's a bit where he says to someone uh, you know my grandfather used to used to cut the hairs off of chickens just to watch them run around. You wouldn't want me to introduce you to my grandfather. And I think that's the most roundabout way of threatening someone you could possibly imagine. Um, I don't remember that, but that's the best. <laughs> you know, it's just this really indirect way of menacing somebody. But yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was a 90-minute uh, a blast of uh, energy. It was great. Awesome. Leroy? Uh, yeah, you know... Um... If uh, I think to really enjoy this movie, 
uh, in hindsight, you need to take your like your medicinal cocaine and then watch it <laughs> to kind of catch up with it. But at the same time, it's really funny. And can, I mean, can I, I ask, I, is there such a thing? There should be. There should be. And then uh, you know, this the this the mullet, man. Just the mullet in the beginning. I just I lost. I haven't seen a mullet like that since Springfield, Oregon, in the nineties, man. I just I don't know. It's 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 a guilty pleasure, but it's 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 kind of it kind of grows on you a little bit through the movie. By the time you get to the end, you're just you're laughing so hard. It's it's almost like I'm watching Airplane, but I'm not. Like it's not it, like really witty dialogue and intelligent fun. It's just an action movie that's so over the top that you can't stop laughing. So I I'd recommend it. Yeah. Once I think is it the cocaine. greatest mullet you've ever seen in your life? No, no, you can't compare it to a Springfield, Oregon mullet in the nineties, dude. Can't, not, this not is even the close. best, like. Um... Uh, action movie mullet that I can think of. I mean, I, we've seen Jean Claude wear one. We've seen him, but this oh, one yeah. felt authentic. It was authentic, right? This guy really wanted his hair like that. This wasn't like I'm playing a role. I'm gonna be, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, didn't he have a mullet at Oklahoma State too when he played college? I, I think I he had a mullet then. All I read is that he really did take so many steroids they kicked him out of off the team. And then he was just like, like publicly stating, well, that's a bunch of shit. You should totally let me take <laughs> these drugs and, you know, fuck you. So he was like kind of blackballed for a while. Or, and then, yeah, of course, he got that super draft, $11 million to play in. Oh. Well, what happened is, is that he, um, he, so in the, in, a, in a, just to sum it up, in American football, there's a draft, they draft college players, and you basically, um, only a handful of players have ever told teams, I don't want to be drafted by you, and most of them get ignored. Right. And he sent, like, every team in the NFL a letter except for the Raiders saying, I don't want to play for you, don't draft me. So then nobody drafts him, and then he gets picked up in a supplemental draft, and he ignores it, and then they're like, well, you can't play pro football. And then he wheels and deals that into the highest rookie contract at the time. I want to say the boss. I've, I've written three things down that I think completely sum him up. Mullet, two expressions, and a thong. And that's it. <laughs> that's him in a nutshell. Yeah. That's going to be his tombstone. <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. I, uh, I honestly got into the boss um, in the 90s. Uh, I would... I would see him show up at, you know, Blockbuster Video. Uh, I would see him on the cover. And I kind of knew, like, because I've always been uh, non-sports-y, <laughs> I kind of knew, like, I shouldn't like him because he's a douchebag football player or whatever. But then I would watch, like, Back to Business and, you know, his other yeah. random shit. And I just, I loved it. So, yeah, uh, this is another one of those. Enjoy it. Uh, yeah. Are you guys ready to compete to see who is the best person in the world? Yes. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. I'm going to need some more drinks if we're going for best person in the world. Yeah, get a, get a drink. How are you, you going to prove that? Um, yeah, it's whoever, wins, some it's whoever wins the top six challenge. And what's interesting about this top six is I've mixed it up a little, and it's nine questions. So each of you get three, because otherwise Ooh. it would have just kind of been a 50-50 thing. So you each oh, get okay. three questions um, as it goes down. And, uh, yeah, whoever has the most right is the, the best person in the world. We don't have to send pictures of ourselves to you wearing thongs, do we, Matthew? Only well, I've got... if, if it's your ass, because that's the part really gets me. If you're wearing a thong like on your arm, yeah, you could... <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want it. Can I send I you what... a picture of you in a thong while you were passed out drunk? I will tell you, a thong has never touched my body. Never. <laughs> that you remember. <laughs> no, that's true. 
There was that time it's, somebody it's always been taken off first. <laughs> What's that, Stephen? It's always already been taken off. <laughs> it's always already. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here we go. So who's going first? It's going to be Mark. Mark, you get to go first. It's always that way. So the first three questions on our top six slash nine, 69, baby, is um, about Cold Stone. <laughs> Cold Stone Creamery is a ice cream uh, chain in the United States. And uh, here we go. They have something that they call super premium ice cream. What is it, Mark? Christ, frozen yogurt? I have no idea. Yeah. I have no... No, what is it? No, that's not it. Uh, it says, this flattering adjective isn't just some self-awarded praise. The label is an industry designation that refers to ice cream with 12 to 14% butter fat. Wow. Yeah. So what do you know? Uh, who's going next? Is it going to be Lee or Stephen? <laughs> Stephen. All right, Stephen. Yeah, I'm game. Go, go for it. How many calories are in Cold Stone's award-winning peanut butter and chocolate milkshake? 2,000. You are right. It's two thousand. Oh, it's two thousand ten. Wow. But that is that is the very yeah. It's two thousand ten. A hundred and thirty one grams of fat, and a hundred and fifty three grams of sugar. So hmm. nice on you, Stephen. Thank and you. yet we can't have medicinal cocaine. <laughs> well, I asked <laughs> it if it was real because I mean, not like snort cocaine, but whatever the you know, like there are drugs that have the same drug as cocaine. <laughs> Okay, I'm they an should idiot. put that on their super premium ice cream. It would be even better. Yeah. All right. This was for the. Uh, how many stores are? How many Cold Stone stores are there? I'm going to say everybody knows that it's uh, 1,300. <laughs> it was 900. So I can't. Damn. Continue. Yeah, it's uh, cool. Over 47 states, including Alaska, Hawaii, Caribbean, and Guam. That's a territory, not a state. Yeah. There you go. Um, all right, so we're back around, Mark. Uh, these next questions are about The Boz. So The Boz's second movie is called One Tough Bastard, and he got to share the screen with a famous 80s rapper. Who was it? Oh, God. Uh, 80s rapper. 80s rapper. I'm... I want to say Vanilla Ice, but it's not going to be him. Um... Christ, it wouldn't be Ice Cube. Pass. I don't know. <laughs> Stop. Hammer time. Da, na, na, na. Na, na. Is he Can't touch this. <laughs> okay, no. so uh, really? we are on to Stephen. Yep. Uh, number five. In his movie, Back in Business, uh, he got to share uh, screen time with what Blade Runner actor? An appropriate question for you. Yes. I've not, I've not seen the movie, so I'm just going to have to guess. Right. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say. Hmm. I feel good about this. I'm gonna go. I could be. I'm gonna, I could go one or two ways on this. I know because it's an action movie. I'm gonna say Rutger Hauer. Ah, oh, nope. Is it's, it Sean Young? No, it's Brian James. Leon. Oh, okay, okay. Tell me about your mother. Oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's my favorite part. I just love it. Mm. I'll tell you about my mother. That was so good. Okay, Lee. Um, oh, the it was a autocorrect. The the boss was actually in a movie with George Clooney. Can you name it? Can I phone a friend? Well, I'll even tell you it had George Clooney and Marky Mark, but that's all I'll tell you. Oh, yeah, I know you'd know Stephen. Yeah, yeah, I do, but it's okay. Um, uh, I'm gonna say. 
that they were in um, Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> <That's the best. laughs> um, he played like an action star in the movie uh, Three Kings. David O. Russell oh. directed. So. Good movie, and... actually. Okay, so yeah, the... it's a good. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that I like Three Kings. That was all. Yeah, that was pretty good. Ice Cube, mm. Marky Mark. It was interesting. Mm. Okay, the last Our three guns. questions are about motorcycles. And you can see I struggled really hard here. We had ice cream, we had some Boz facts, and now we're into, uh, into motorcycles. So uh, this is for Mark. Who made the first motorcycle? Oh. Pass. No idea. No clue. I would say Harley, just because. Why not? Yeah. How about you, Stephen? You want to throw in a guess, too, even though you don't get any points for it? Um, just to prove that nobody could answer this question. I, haven't, I know it's the wrong answer, but I'm just going to say Ford, even though I know it's wrong. Okay, so it was first built in Germany in 1885 by Daimler. Hmm. It was Daimler and not uh, Chrysler, because I was the merger. It was Daimler and a gentleman named Wilhelm Maybach. And it was called the Reitwagen, or riding car. And it was the first gas-powered vehicle. The first gas-powered vehicle, a precursor to the modern-day automobile. Oh, cool. Yeah, I thought that was really neat. Mm. Okay, this one's for you, Stephen. Uh, this is just a hard-ass question. Um, okay. a gentleman named Hu Xiaobin, Hu Xiaobin of Binsao City, China. He broke the record of the longest backward motorbike ride in 2006. Can you guess how far he rode his motorbike backwards? <laughs> uh, 500 miles. That was a really good guess. It's 150 kilometers or 93 miles. Mm. Well, this one's not any easier. So, Lee? Did he ride the motorcycle backwards? Like, that was part of a... He, you know, intended to do it, or was it something he kind of accidentally... I love that. He's like... Yeah, yeah, no, it was an accident. <laughs> he was screaming, get me off of this fucking thing all the way. <laughs> he's, he's had arms behind his back and he's like, uh, grunting the whole time. And he's just, what the fuck is this machine? Why is it doing this? Um, like, You're doing it wrong. <laughs> that would be the greatest Guinness Book you know, record of all time. It's somebody who just didn't know how to do something. So they did it wrong and made a record. It's like no, 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 no. You're not. You're not supposed to use a a, a blender in your mouth or something. I don't know. <laughs> all right, Lee. You get the final question, and all this can do actually, because I think the only correct. No, there's been two correct answers. We had two thousand calories. Okay, so you guys are tied right now. So, what, what's point... the other correct answer? Uh, let me see. No. Oh, maybe it was just you. Uh... It is just Stephen. Okay. Okay. So it's just Stephen. Stephen's got the one right answer. At this point, Lee, you could tie with him, or Steven's going to be the best person in the world. So, oh, I already know that. Yeah, obviously. Um, Japan built a motorcycle called the Toto, uh, which used an alternate fuel. Can you guess what fueled it? I'm going to say uh, vegetable oil. Mm, you were close. It was human waste. Again, I did say Japan built a motorcycle called the Toto. <laughs> Did they use all the shit that the guy uh, made going backwards on his motorbike? <laughs> exactly, but that was a Chinese guy. I don't think ah. that uh, it would run on Chinese shit, only on Japanese okay. shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my tie-breaking question was really hard, too. What is the most dangerous biker gang in America? Anyone want to just yell out an answer? The Hells Angels? Yeah, it wasn't them. I thought it might be. It was called the Warlocks. Yeah. Mm. Congratulations, Stephen. You are the best person in the world. 
Thank you. Thanks but, very much. But you were before the competition as well. We love you, Stephen. Well, I didn't want to say anything. Yeah. Well, Mark, uh, tell us all about uh, what are you what are you working on? What's what's happening? You're writing all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's um, so I sort of done a whole bunch of sort of short films and music videos and stuff over the year. And then last year, we sort of uh, my sort of production partner and I sort of stepped up and sort of said, "Look, well, you know." want to make rather than um what can we make with sort of limited resources so we started to sort of aim a little bigger so we did a, a bunch of short films last year that uh, have been doing sort of well on the festival scene and sort of opening a few doors and stuff and um and then this year has been uh, zero films but three feature scripts and then rewrites on another three feature scripts so we're we're sort of basically pushing towards doing uh feature at the end of next year which is a uh, sort of kitchen sink giallo is the best way to sort of explain it. Um, but there's a bunch of other stuff that's sort of bubbling up as well. We've got a really good um, action thriller called Teardrop, which is is kind of a, a big sort of art house taken is the best way to sort of explain that. Um, and sort of scaling up to sort of massive sci-fi horror thrillers. So, yeah, sort of load of, load of stuff on at the moment. And that's, that's just sort of the stuff that... Um, we're developing or I'm developing um, and then other projects with other people as well. So it's been busy. It's been chaotic, but um, sort of paying off and, and getting to travel a lot with, um, with neon, which uh, has, has sort of played a lot in America um, and sort of all over, all over Europe and stuff. So we've been sort of touring with that, which has been really just really lovely, just meeting some great people and, and sort of having some really great times with sort of filmmakers from all over the world. So yeah, I've been really, really lucky. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, we all love Neon. Um, where can where can people find these shorts? Like, do we have to look for film festivals? Or are you eventually going to put them somewhere where people can consume them? Um, neon uh, looks like we're going to be releasing it um, Valentine's Day or around about then because it's sort of wrapping up its its festival circuit. It, oh. it sort of played at um, an Oscar qualifying festival in LA, and then it's played at a BAFTA qualifying one here in competition. So we're sort of We've we've sort of taken it down that road as far as we want to take it. And now we want to sort of release it to the public, and yeah. um, and then uh, it'll also be on my website, so uh, just mjblackman.com. Um, and then Neon might be getting shown on somewhere else because we've got a few people sort of interested in sort of streaming it for us. So uh, yeah, sort of updates on the website, but yeah, we're not quite sure who's going to take it yet. But uh, someone someone certainly will. So yeah, sort of February ish. Um, and then, yeah, everything else just through the website. Perfect. And that will be in the uh, episode notes. So you can look there and find the website and uh, Twitter. Uh, so you can contact Mark if you want to talk to him about all this good stuff. Well, thanks, everybody. And you can all say awesome. you're welcome you. at the same time. You're welcome. <laughs> welcome. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, as you well know, if you've listened to any of these, go to screenmayhem.com and there's always new stuff. Bye.